1: a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves. In the programme this week we catch up with New Zealand football's new chief executive. We look at the NZRU's integrity unit and discuss the latest New Zealand rowing squad before previewing the Winter Paralympics. The All-Whites played their first game of the post-Ricky Herbert era this week falling 4-2 to Japan and Tokyo. The team was coached by Neil Emblin, who's handling the role on an interim basis while a review of last year's failed World Cup campaign is completed. The new Chief Executive of Football New Zealand, Andy Martin, began his role last month and appointing a full-time coach is one of his top priorities. I spoke to him and asked about his first impressions of the organisation.
2: Three weeks in, um, as I said uh, previously, there's an, an awful amount of goodwill Uh, for the sport there's a lot of people want us to do well and want us to succeed as a country in the sport so that's that's fantastic and that's certainly making my first few weeks uh, really good because you know everyone's trying to be supportive offer opinions and um, you know what I've got to do is try and listen to as much as that as I can before we start to really take some shapes and put a structure and format in place.
1: And what sort of your main priorities um, first off the bat?
2: Um, uh, priorities really are to get around everybody, all the key stakeholders, and, and make sure I understand what, what their opinions are. Um, what, what I'm doing at the moment is, you know, travelling around the federations and the clubs, um, talking to other key stakeholders who've, who've obviously been involved in the game, and, and just getting a sense of what's doable. And, um, and then I've got to try and sort of formulate a plan around that. Um, as I said last week, the, the plan, the strategy document that we've got, looks pretty good. Um, I think a lot of it is about you know executing on that with pace and you know resetting some of the ambition. Clearly, we didn't qualify for the World Cup, so we've got to reset that and um, focus everything on on Russia in 2018.
1: And I understand with the World Cup, there was a review of that campaign. Where, where's that at?
2: Yeah, um, I think in December uh, when I was over, I mentioned that I was looking forward to, to that being done and, and, and being ready for me when I got back. Um, it's still being done. I think what's happened, and you'll appreciate this, is uh, everything seems to sort of shut down in January. Um, so things are still happening. I'm expecting that to be finished uh, fairly soon. And clearly that's going to inform you know, where we go next in terms of structure and in terms of personnel around the head coach, etc.,
1: are they, have you had any indication about what's likely to come out of that review yet?
2: Probably early days. Um, the calls are being made as we speak, um, so I, I don't want to prejudge that. To be quite honest, I just want to get a sense of what you know. People who were involved over the last four years, um, you know, we need to listen and we need to understand. You know, what could have been done better.
1: And so, when you say it's pretty close, what is that? Weeks, months, what? What's, it uh, of, what's the I, timeline?
2: I would imagine within the next six weeks it should be finished and on my desk. That's what I'm, I'm being told. It's been done independently. Um, I know all of the sort of consultation is happening as we speak, and other calls have been being made over the last two weeks. So, you know, having played the game last night, we've got a bit of time now to really understand what we need um, in terms of structure and personnel, and, and make the right decisions. So there's no there's no hurry in terms of rushing into the wrong decision at the moment, which is which is good, which is fortunate.
1: So then how long after that's come out would you expect to be doing things like confirming a coach and then the other personnel that fit in around him?
2: Um, As soon as I can. You know, this is about getting the right person. This isn't about setting deadlines that we can't deliver to. So we need someone in place as soon as we can, but we need the right person and we need to make sure that, you know, the game um, have been consulted and are comfortable with what we're going to do.
1: And have you been impressed with the way Neil Emblem's handled the role so far?
2: Yeah, Neil's been good. I mean, he's certainly putting his hand up for the job. He's, he's worked very well uh, with the guys um, over the last few weeks. He's been very keen to make sure that structures were good, organisation was good um, and that everything was right for the players. Um, he certainly started off, what I asked him to get involved with was almost kicking off a new four-year campaign um, uh, making sure the players, the new players in particular, started to build as a team such that People want to be here and want to be part of it and want to be a part of success going forward. So, you know, early days again for Neil, but, um, you know, he's made a good start. The players certainly respect him. And um, we'll see where things go.
1: But are there other candidates that you're sort of looking at at this stage or is that too early?
2: Too early, but look, um, it's, it's, it's a very attractive job for a lot of people, and so clearly there's a lot of interest already. People are are putting their hand up, but we're just going to keep back from that until we're very clear on, you know, we've got to understand what success in that job looks like. We've got to understand what we're trying to achieve and what what we want to get to, you know, where we want to qualify, Um, and then we've got to find the person who's the experience to deliver that for us.
1: And you talk about adding personnel around a head coach in the future. Could you see someone like Ricky Herbert, or well, not someone like Ricky Herbert, could you see Ricky Herbert being involved in some capacity in the setter?
2: Um, I've absolutely no idea. I've spoken to Ricky once since I arrived and I'm certainly going to talk to him and consult with him. Um, Ricky's clearly put his life and soul into New Zealand football and I, I it's only right that I go and talk to him and listen. So we'll be talking to him and we'll be consulting with him whether he whether he has a role to play in the future, who knows.
1: And now that you've had that first game, you want to um, make sure the All Whites are playing games. Have you got any uh, future fixtures on the horizon?
2: Um, no, but it's something we're now really focused heavily in. One of the one of the things that has been communicated strongly to me is the you know the desire for more games in New Zealand, and I think everybody's fully understanding and appreciative of how difficult that is to get our players back from around the world. Indeed, we did a piece on the All Whites uh, Facebook site this weekend just to show the logistical challenge it is to get all the players into one place. That said, we've got to work with that and um, I'm very mindful that we've got to find a way with stakeholders, with government, with whoever it is to support us so that we can get fixtures on that are good fixtures, attractive fixtures and also in this country.
1: Would you say money is the main barrier at the moment organising high profile internationals?
2: Yeah, I think it always is. I think, um, you know, clearly it's a long way for the teams to come, so we've got to make it attractive. But, you know, money's one of the obstacles. We've got to be smart and try and find um, if there is another way to crack this nut.
1: And I guess then also you'll need to work on developing good relationships with these overseas clubs where some of our players are playing?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think hopefully some of the European clubs I've got contacts with already, which will help us. Um, but you know, not only do we need to get the cooperation of the clubs, we need the players in those clubs to want to be coming back. We need to make sure that it's attractive, it's something that they want to be a part of, and that 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 will happen. There's no, I'm no doubt about that. That will happen. We're going to get a good program in place. We'll support it well, um, and we'll want people coming back to be part of something that we're building. Do
1: you think that comes down to the level of opposition? Players are more likely to want to come back if it's a, a really top class game against a top team.
2: Well, I think that's partly uh, true, but I also think that you know, if the players can see that there's an end point that they buy into, you know, and if that is, for argument's sake, World Cup qualification, then you know, I'd be surprised if there's any players out there who don't want to play in the World Cup. So you know, we've got to we've got to get into this that the team believes collectively they can deliver on that objective, and therefore you know, they'll want to be there.
1: Um, are, there, are there any particular teams or that you think may be better suited to come here or easier to organise matches with, or you just don't know yet?
2: Yeah, a little bit too soon, I guess. I think what, what we've got to understand is, you know, if we're going to be successful in the competitions that are open to us and the style of play, the type of opponents we've got to uh, meet in those competitions, and then clearly we've got to make sure we prepare ourselves for those games. It's no good playing teams because of their profile if they're if they're not a match or if they're not a similar fit to what we've got to go through in terms of our qualification processes. So we're working hard on that, as I say, um Fred Jong and myself are putting together this sort of high performance plan and we're including um desired fixtures, possible fixtures, and then we'll go and talk to people and see if we can make that come to come to life.
1: How long until you envisage the all whites playing again? Will that when do you see it being likely?
2: Yeah, good question. I really can't answer that at the moment. Clearly, the World Cup um, throws everything up in the air, doesn't it? A lot of teams are focused elsewhere. So, you know, we're keen to have them playing. We're, we're keen to see what's possible, and, and we'll, we'll try and commit to an, a, um, a programme as quickly as we can. Football New Zealand Chief Executive
1: Andy Martin. The New Zealand Rugby Union's establishing a dedicated integrity unit to combat corruption and doping in the sport. A government report last year found little high level corruption in sport in this country. However, Lavinia Gould, a former member of the National Women's 7 squad, was suspended for two years last November after testing positive for a banned stimulant. Gould was the first player contracted to the NZRU to receive a doping ban. The union's also investigating reports of super rugby players mixing sleeping pills and energy drinks to get a high. The problem surfaced during the New Zealand Rugby League team's World Cup campaign last year and the NZRL is carrying out its own investigation into the matter. The NZAU's General Manager of Professional Rugby, Neil Sorensen, spoke to Stephen Hewson about the sleeping pill issue.
3: The key thing is to first and foremost um, to establish what needs to be done and as I said we've got most things covered but there'll always be new things come through in terms of maintaining the integrity of our sport and... The the recent um, trend with sleeping pills and or prescription drugs and energy drinks is just a classic example of new things that come on that we need to be aware of and we need to, um, you know, someone in our organisation needs to take a lead on it. The key thing there, Stephen, is to find out, for example, in this situation, find out what the hell it's all about um, and then educate our, you know, provide some education for our young men uh, and coaches and physios and nutritionists and so forth.
0: The sleeping pills issue, how much have you been able to find out about that within rugby
3: what we 're doing is um, talking to as many people as possible, talking to players, um, you know asking players about you know what the hell is this why do people do it? Um, how do you do it? How do you get hold of the, the, the pills? what impact does it have on you? what effect does it have on you and and so forth so look you know not i haven 't received a massive amount of information, Stephen, but starting to get some. Some bits and pieces. Um, You know, there's been no one that's actually, if you like, um, said, "Yep, I did it yesterday," and and this is what happened. But but we're sort of just hearing, um, you know, talking to some of the player agents and um, talking to some players as well um, about this trend, if you like. And um, but the other thing we're trying to establish is to the extent of it. You know, what 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 extent is this is this um, recent trend, um, you know, happening in our sport?
0: Do you get a sense that it is? come from the sport I mean obviously rugby leagues have the same problem or do you get a sense that it's something that people in the community are doing and it's simply overflowing into sport
3: we've often said that we are just a a small slice or represent a small slice of society with our young men you know but from a very small um straw poll of of my own kids who are late teens and early 20s uh and their mates um it doesn't seem to be a a uh, scene that's happening, you know, that, that kids are getting up to in, in Courtney Place in Wellington on a Saturday night. It, it seems to be, and this is just, you know, absolutely just my opinion and from my limited research on this. It seems to be prevalent in, uh, in in sports, you know, whether it's league or we're hearing it's in rugby and other other codes as well. And whether that's big, um, whether that's because it's, um, you know, people are in, in professional sports or high-performance sports are looking for something to give them a a bit of a lift, a bit of a high without. You know, um, uh, wrecking their body on with hangovers or increased body skin folds through alcohol or or whatever, Stephen. That's what we're trying to get to the bottom of,
0: or a way simply around drug testing.
3: Yeah, yeah, it it could potentially be. We we don't see it as a. um, We don't imagine it's a. um, uh, It's a performance enhancing. Uh, we, We think it's more taken for leisure purposes. To be fair.
0: But obviously, drug testing goes on for recreational drugs, and therefore this would be a way around that.
3: Yeah, yeah. There's, at this stage, we, we're not aware of um, any uh, sleeping pill and energy drinks being been on the banned substances, Stephen. So, that's, yeah, potentially another another route, which is all pretty scary, isn't it? When you you know when you it all down, you, you've got prescription drugs prescribed by specialists. Um, Essentially being misused, so that's that that, that is a real concern to us.
0: Given all the education that goes on with the NZRU and its players, it would seem then if this is going on that not a lot of common sense is prevailing.
3: Yeah, look, I got to go back to what I said before in terms of the extent of this. You know, I mean, we've probably got about all up um, about you know two hundred and fifty full time professional rugby players who call themselves full time professionals. Um, You know, and and it's only a we're only hearing the noise. We're hearing is that it's only a smattering of people that have had a crack at it, or, or had, have had a crack at it. So it doesn't sound widespread, um, and um, Stephen, that's the, the thing we're trying to get our head around. But yeah, but look, you know, kids will be kids, won't they? I mean, you know, young people will be young people, and, and they'll give things a crack. And, and I'm sure if you and I are talking in a few years' time, Stephen, it may be something else they're giving a crack. You know, maybe something else that you've thought up. I mean, I can't imagine you and I three years ago. If we if we said to each other that, um, hey, you can take a sleeping tablet and, and waff a red bull down and you, get a, and you get a high for a few hours, we'd laugh at each other, wouldn't we?
1: Stephen Hewson speaking to the NZRU's Neil Sorensen. The New Zealand Rowing Squad for 2014 was named this week and there was a high-profile casualty with the Olympic gold medalist Joseph Sullivan not named. Sullivan who won gold in the men's double skulls at the London Olympics with the now retired Nathan Cohen has suffered a dip in form since 2012 and has found his place in the team taken by younger rowers. I spoke to rowing New Zealand's high performance manager Alan Cotter and asked why Sullivan had been left out.
4: Joe has not uh, come up to the same standard he was in London um, and on the water and we've got a lot of young ones that are uh, uh, just a little bit ahead of him at this present time and so that's the reason we've, uh, we've selected the well, certainly the quad and the double are still going through there um, to select the double.
1: Do you think there's an opportunity for him to work his way back in in the future or do you think the the younger ones are going to be the ones to sort of lead forward heading towards, say, the Olympics?
4: No, no. The, the door's always open for Joe to come back in. We've seen that with the um, men's quad, with John Story had a year off and he's come back in uh, to it. Uh, so it's really about the athletes, um, how willing they are to put in the hard work uh, to get back on form again. So it's really um, up to Joe to uh, to do that. So I can't really uh, yeah, that's a, um, can't comment on what Joe's going to do. Um, it'll be up to Joe. Like every athlete that misses out, they've got the opportunity to come back the following year um, in better shape and put pressure on the existing athletes. Um, it's a hard game and we want to see uh, at, yeah athletes at the top of their form performing um and then uh, trialing um and then they'll be in the cruise
1: obviously you think there's a big future for for some of these younger guys that you've selected in this place
4: and that yeah, if they keep on improving and keep um, um their standard uh, keeps it up there um the young ones will stay in but the ones that have missed out are the ones that are knocking on the door and want to knock them out of the crew. So it's up to the uh, athlete to put that pressure on the uh, current athletes that we've selected.
1: Cool. And um, so obviously Mahi Drysdale back in this single skull. Obviously he had a bit of a tough time last year, I guess, coming off um, coming off that Olympic win. Where do you see his form as being at and do you think he can, he can sort of come back to the level he was at?
4: Now I have no doubt about that. Um, Mahi certainly in a short period of time that he's been back, the attitude, his commitment um, is certainly getting back to where he is um, and he loves that competition and so um, he'll be back to his best um, in the near future.
1: Do you think it was just hard for him to get up last year after putting so much into that 2012 campaign?
4: Oh, it's it, it stared right, and he had a bit of time off, and it wasn't always going to be uh, coming back into it. He realised that. Um, he had a short time to get up. It didn't quite work out for him with the uh, bike accident, uh, but certainly it's a different year this year.
1: And now, obviously, the men's pair, they're um, looking for another unbeaten year. Do, do you still see the same drive from them year after year? I mean, they've just been so dominant that, I guess, the danger is that they get complacent.
4: they won't be doing that, Uh, they're in here uh, to keep on winning gold medals, Uh, so there's no chance of that, Um, and that's their motivation is to keep on winning, Um, and that's where they want to go right through to Rio without a loss, Um, so there's motivation there.
1: And um, obviously we've seen Hamish Bond have some pretty good results in the single scales and national competitions but he he has expressed that he's still still focused on the peers and doesn't want to look at switching boats anytime soon
4: no he's uh, focused on the peer
1: overall you are pretty happy with the um, team that you've got and that they can contest in a number of classes again
4: yes we are we've got a target of five medals at the world Champs in Amsterdam and we're pretty excited about the team that's been selected uh, to deliver that.
1: The New Zealand Winter Paralympic team has no problems with the conditions in Sochi for the start of their Games this weekend. Several athletes have withdrawn from this weekend's downhill races because of concerns about the ski course, which has been left soft and bumpy because of the warm conditions. Chef de Mission, Ashley Light, told Barry Guy the conditions aren't too bad.
5: Certainly uh, it's springtime here, the, the, the weather is warm and uh, you know the snow is on the way out and it reminds us Kiwis a little bit of uh, springtime, you know, end of season in New Zealand. So there's certainly conditions that we're used to, and there's certainly the conditions that we encountered when we were here this time last year for the test event. So we've been preparing for these conditions, knowing that it was likely to be like this.
6: I've also understand that, uh, although we don't have anyone on downhill, but that the the downhill course is considered by some athletes to be dangerous now because of the lack of snow and how bumpy it is.
5: Um, uh, Look, uh, I can't comment on it. I haven't seen the downhill course. Um, And as you mentioned, you know, we don't have any QE's running the downhill. Um, The conditions are the same for all the athletes. And from what I have heard, there's been uh, a couple of pilot errors. So just some, you know, some mistakes made by the athletes. And uh, very similar to the Olympics when we were here earlier, if you're not on the race line, then, you know, the snow is softer out wide. Um, and that can cause problems. So if, as long as you stay on the race line, my understanding is it's pretty, uh, it's pretty safe.
6: OK, so uh, all the courses you've seen for your athletes are good?
5: We're really happy with the snow conditions. Training today was exceptional. Nice hard snow up high, and it, it is softening down at the bottom, but as I mentioned earlier, that's the sort of spring conditions that Kiwis are used to, and, um, and we've been preparing for this sort of thing for the, net for the last year.
6: And what about the New Zealand athletes? Uh, firstly, you know, Adam Hall, a, a gold medal contender again.
5: Yeah, I think uh, Adam's really happy with where he's at. His um, physical preparation to all Face skiing, you know, he's continued to dominate the podium um, this season. So I think it feeling really confident, and um, he's looking forward to racing. If it all comes together on the day, then I think um, you know he's certainly looking to win another medal.
6: Uh, Corey Peters.
5: Yeah, so Corey, uh, only you know, young young skier has only been on the international stage for a couple of years, but he's already shown that he's capable of, of mixing it and footing it with the best. Uh, three podium results this year, including World Cup. So he's you know he's definitely in with a mix. But if Corey can get a top ten result with only two years' experience, you know he's definitely one to watch for Kim Chang in the future.
6: And uh, the third member, Carl Murphy.
5: Yeah, so Carl, is, it's the first time his discipline has been included in the Paralympic Games, so that in itself is exciting. Um, Carl, for last year, was ranked number one in the world, so he's certainly shown that he's capable of, of winning races and, and winning well. Um, but the rest of the world is coming up to his level as well, so a lot will depend on the course design and what the you know what course how it runs and and the conditions on the day, but. His, his training's been going well, and he's uh, he's looking forward to racing.
6: So, is there a, a power nation when it comes to Para Winter Olympics?
5: Uh, probably the normal the normal winter nations that you'd, uh, you'd you know, uh, 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 yeah, put alongside the Olympic nations. So Canada's strong, the US is strong, Switzerland, Austria. You know, there isn't one weak nation. Um, And certainly the Kiwis, although we're only a small team, will be looking to puck a pretty powerful punch.
1: The Winter Paralympic chef de mission, Ashley Light, talking to Barry Guy. Adam Hall and Corey Peters compete in the Super G on Sunday night. That's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radio.nz.co.nz and you can get the latest sports news anytime on our website. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves and we'll be back with Extra Time next week.